The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 16th and 47th in Seattle's U District. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to the Inn. Hey, we are excited for you to be here tonight. Thank you for coming out and joining us. There maybe have been a lot of rain outside today. And yeah, the new season of This Is Us might have come on right as we started the end tonight. But you're here in this place. And for that, I thank you. I think God's gonna do something in our lives here tonight. I think he wants to renew us in this new year. And we get the opportunity in 2018, not just to come and go, how do I want to be new? How am I going to make myself new? But come and gather together and let the power of the spirit of God renew us from the inside out. I wanna invite you into that tonight in this place. If this this is your first time, we're super excited for you to be here tonight. Super excited. Uh, I hope that this becomes a community that you know that you're at home, that being at home means you're welcome just as you are. You don't need to fake it. You don't need to try to be someone you're not. We ask that you come as you are and just be open. Be open to what God wants to do uh, in you. It could be something really, really cool this coming year. I got excited. 2018, I thought, hey, new year, new mic. (laughs) I'm excited about the new mic. And then last night, I got to tell you, was a total throwback to everything about the old mic. Okay, it was just a rundown of old Mike, starting with this, okay? For the football game last night, some of you guys watched, right? We got two SEC teams playing. I used to do Young Life College at University of Alabama. Okay, people. That was the only place, it was the only place that offered me a job. Um, that's me at an Alabama tailgate. And so, okay, I graduated here in 2006, for those who don't know, uh, from University of Washington. I got a job to start Young Life College at University of Alabama. Did not know where that was, uh, but decided, hey, I'll go give it a shot. Went down there, spent two years, uh, loved it, went to a lot of football games, loved the football culture there. And so now I was torn. I don't know about you. You probably, I, I doubt too many people in this room rooted for Alabama last night. Did anybody actually root for Alabama besides, besides Jamil? Like five people? I was torn. I was there for two years. I have a lot of friends that went there and love it, but I hate seeing them win so much. Doesn't it upset us when somebody's on top for that long? And the fact the dogs played them last year kind of created this rivalry. It's kind of like how the Seahawks played Pittsburgh in the 2006 Super Bowl, and we still hate Pittsburgh here. Like 10 years later. Okay, so that was the first throwback. I cannot be a new me. I'm still thinking about who I was in 2007 when I'm down in Alabama. I didn't know who to root for last night. But then the real crazy thing. Okay. I swore that I was not going to watch The Bachelor anymore. Okay. Here, here's the deal. I, I said, I said, I'm not going to watch The Bachelor. I, I've, I've watched too many seasons. I started watching like seven or eight years ago because I wanted to be relevant with college students. I wanted to know what everyone was talking about. And it was kind of fun. I always like rooting for the person that everyone else hates. But I said, look, it's the same thing. And they never actually fall in love. And it's always set up and they always say the most dramatic season ever. And then it's not really that dramatic. But, and so I said that, I'm not going to go back to the old ways, but then the bachelor comes on. Okay. And then we're watching it. My wife, Rachel is here tonight. We're watching it. Okay. And then we go, 
oh, fine, I'm not going to watch The Bachelor. The first episode's kind of fun because there's lots of fights and they keep them up till like seven in the morning. Of course, they're going to argue with each other. But then we go, who is that? Wait a minute, Becca from The Bachelor. I know who that is. No. Wait, before we go to the next picture, I would like a quick poll. One, who watches The Bachelor in this room? Okay. Uh, two, who watches The Bachelor but did not want to raise their hand right there? Thank you. Uh, you don't even have to raise your hand. Just, just look at me and like wink. No one around you will know. Okay. Out of the people that watch, who is a fan of Becca? Who? Okay. Who does not like her? Uh, we're split. All right. So anyways, go to the next slide. Okay. Go to the next slide. Becca from The Bachelor. Okay. Here she is. And what we're realizing is we took a trip with Young Life College Orange County to the Grand Canyon, okay, five years ago. And next slide, please. Becca from The Bachelor, okay, it's hard to tell, was a student leader on our trip for us in Orange County. Go to the next slide. You can't really see. It's really zoomed in. There's her, okay, on a bench next to Ryan Andrews. Also, I love the look, Rye, with socks and flip-flops. Okay. Um, he's, he's trying to read the Bible right now to be holy, impress her. I don't know why I'm sharing this tonight. But maybe there's a point. Go to the next one, please. Here is Becca opening the Bible, leading a devotion on our trip. Yes, the same girl that made out last night with The Bachelor. I have no idea what the life lesson from this is. I thought I had a connection. Wait, read the Bible. You'll go on The Bachelor. Okay. That is not true. Take that out of the tape. That's not true. But maybe some good happens. I don't know. Anyways, I could not move on. Now I'm stuck. Now I'm going to watch the whole year. There are going to be some things in this new year, but I probably will resort back to some old ways. I like The Bachelor. Um... Let's use that as a segue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Let's use that. We really want this new self coming into the new year, but sometimes we resort back to the old ways. Sometimes we find ourselves in a place that we did not expect. Sometimes we're excited about the new thing that God is going to do in us, but it still feels like where we were before. The book of Daniel that we're walking through together this winter is all about uh, this group of guys that is learning to live for God and trust in God while they still live in exile. Well, they live in a place that did not feel like the place that God had promised for them. Okay, for those of us that were here last week, we opened up with this idea in Daniel 1, okay, that, that Daniel and his friends uh, have been captured uh, and they're a part of Babylon, okay, they're under the Babylonian Empire at this point, and it's not where they expected to be, they thought they'd be in this promised land, and now they're learning how to follow God, how to trust God in a place that does not feel like what they thought it would feel like, and so we asked the question last night, what happens to us when we have an understanding of who God is, but we can't figure out where God is? question we wrestle with while we're in college and, and, and throughout most of our life. 
We don't stop wrestling with that. And tonight I want us to wrestle with another question. We're actually going to engage this idea that I believe is a main theme in Daniel 2. And that is this tension that we experience, okay, a tension that we see in Daniel 2. And when I say this word tension, some of us automatically go to our view of the word tension, which is negative. Okay, when we hear the word tension, we picture, oh man, I got tension at home. I got tension with my parents. I got tension with my roommates. And what do we do when there's tension in our life? We avoid the situation for most of us. And then we text all these other people, actually. Um, we avoid tension. Tension does not excite us. Awkwardness does not excite us. But I want to focus on this word tension because I think there's a very healthy thing. What I want to wrestle with in Daniel chapter 2 tonight is what does it mean for us actually to live in the tension? Okay, how many of you guys have crossed the Tacoma Narrows Bridge? Oh, a lot of us. Okay, great example of a fantastic use of tension. Okay, bridges utilize two things. Compression, I'm going to geek out in construction management right now, so we might get some other CM or engineering people, right? A lot of bridges that we see utilize this power that we find in tension, that we have compression, it supports a load, but there's also tension, that we have, have cords that, that support the tension, okay, as we find tension um, underneath on the bottom side of the bridge as the weight pushes down on us, and that, that, that tension is actually a really powerful thing that helps something be really strong. I'm going to call out one of the things that I think helps us be very mature as we grow up. And that is learning to live into tension that sometimes we don't have to run from it. Sometimes we can stay in it, engage, think about who we are in the midst of it. When we're wrong, how do we stay in that tension? How do we get stronger because we utilize that tension in our life rather than disappearing from it? Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Real life example. Okay, let's talk about culture. Last week we talked about having a kingdom mindset, kingdom mindset while having this horizontal reality, engaging the culture around us. A lot of stuff going on in culture. Okay, if you watch the Globes on Sunday night, okay, we saw a lot of engagement with the idea of time's up, kind of a new thing adding on to Me Too, still a movement going on. Okay, where, where women and others are going, hey, time's up. No more will we just accept being paid less. No more will we accept, accept a lack of accountability, especially from guys who are in powerful positions. Okay, there's a lot going on in culture right now. See a lot of stuff. This Monday's MLK Day, a very, very important day in our history. What an incredible man. That followed what God was doing in his life and made sacrifice after sacrifice for people of this country that we all benefit from. Okay, here's the tension I wrestle with. Maybe you do too. What do I do? I'm a white male. I'm a white 35-year-old male. Okay, most of the white males are getting beat up publicly right now. That's okay. That's okay. It's probably time for people to be accountable for certain things. But what do I do as a white male? How do I wrestle with this tension? How do I engage certain things? Some of the things I've been, I've been wrestling with, what does it mean to be a product of privilege? Okay, as a white male in our country, I have been a beneficiary, beneficiary from privilege. Whether I notice it or not, I do not walk down the street and I'm not, I'm not afraid of cops when I see them, when I'm pulled over. I do not worry about what they will do when they approach me. Okay, when I walk home late at night, if I was in the Greek system, I was walking home at night, I do not have to engage fear. I'm not afraid of what will happen if I'm pursued by people bigger, stronger than me, what they might do physically. I don't have to worry about that. I've never had to worry about that. Lately, I've been wrestling with this idea 
we are building a house right now. We want to live really close by, as close as we can, um, so that we can be in the life of college students, because we love college students here in this, in this neighborhood. And, um, and so we're building a house right now in the Bryant neighborhood. Uh, it's right next to the Duchess, if you know where that is, for those of you that are 21 and older and responsibly drink alcohol. Um, right down behind you, Village. Okay, one of the things I've been wrestling is, is, is we are coming off this thing in Seattle, okay? I, and I love this city. I love this city. I love this campus. I, 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 I think this is, is one of the greatest cities, okay? But, but a thing to engage is this tension of what does it mean to be in a, in a city? We may not face the same uh, kind of blatant racism as some, of, some places in this country that it may be more in front of you, but what is it? We live in a, in a passively racist city. Okay, I'm building a house in the Bryant neighborhood. I'm a beneficiary, okay, from what is known as a racial restrictive covenant. How many of you guys know what a racial restrictive covenant is? Go and put it up there. Bryant neighborhood. Okay, this is, this is crazy. Okay, ready? This was a law in our city. If you look under Bryant, it lists all the neighborhood, Capitol Hills under that, Central District. The second one in Review Home Edition says this, no race or nationality other than those of white or Caucasian race shall use or occupy any dwelling on any lot except that this covenant does not prevent occupancy by domestic servants of a different race or nationality employed by an owner or tenant. What does it say? If you are not a white person, you cannot occupy a home. You cannot own a home in the Bryant neighborhood. That law was made nationally and banned in 1968. That is 50 years ago to this year. That is not that long ago that almost everything north of the ship canal in our city okay, was restricted A lot of them just to white or Caucasian race people. Now, here's where I go with this. I'm not here to beat anybody up tonight. If you're a white person, if you're a white male in this room, I'm not here to beat you up. Have you leave feeling bad about yourself? I don't want you to run from it. That's what we want. When anything that's going on, we don't want to run from it. We want to engage this tension. I don't have to feel bad everywhere I go that I benefited, but but it is important for me to recognize the privilege that has helped me get to where I'm at how can I use that? Can I use that platform, that privilege for a positive impact in the life of others who have not benefited from that? Does that make sense? Please, I don't want, I'm not here to make anyone feel bad. But that's an important platform to realize that some of us benefit from things that others don't. How can we raise others up around us, empower others up around us, recognize some of those things, wrestle with that tension together? We could go a lot longer on that. I want to jump into our text for tonight because I think uh, there's something good in there. But that is what I'm talking about when it comes to engaging the tension and not just being scared of, oh man, I feel bad as as a white guy, I'm going to run from it. So here we go. We're going to jump into Daniel 2 tonight. What's happening as we transition into our scripture for the night, Daniel 2 uh, it, what's going on is after, okay, Daniel and his friends were taken captive. Uh, they're eating just vegetables. They're trusting God. Um, and then, uh, they find themselves in chapter two and Nebuchadnezzar, the king of all the land has this dream. Okay. It's a crazy dream. He doesn't remember what it is. So he asks all of his servants, Hey, come here. All my magicians, all my people that know what they're doing, come here and, uh, and, and, and tell me what my dream was and then interpret it for me. And all these people come to the king and say, man, we, we cannot tell you what your dream is. We could come up with an interpretation, but we cannot tell you what it is. Nobody can do that. And so the king summons Daniel. 
says, hey, can you interpret this dream? And that's where we pick up our, our, our story tonight in Daniel chapter 2, verses 26 through 28. It says, the king asked Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Daniel replied, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown what will happen in days to come. Your dream and the visions that pass through your mind as you were lying in bed are these. We'll pause there for a second. Hmm, this is the first tension I want us to engage in. As college students that are about knowledge, about life experience, that there are great things that we can learn and that we can do, that we can gain wisdom and intelligence. And we should be. While we're here in college, we should be taking advantage of the time we have. We should be learning. We should be growing. When we look at who do I want to be in this new year? How do I want to be a new me? What do I want to do? Most of us, we want to get healthy in some way. How do I want to do that? How do I want to do that myself? There's power in that. We do. In Daniel 1, we see this wisdom that Daniel and his buddies have because they push back the food of the empire. Okay, and they've made all these choices and those choices are helping them then have wisdom and intelligence. But that does not compare to the power of God. Put that text back up there. That does not compare to the power of God. That when, when we are renewed in him, when we allow him to lead in our life, to bring us wisdom, to do something in us that we cannot do ourselves, there's, there's, no, there's no comparison to the power that we can just do on our own when we submit to God. That's what he's saying here. Okay, no, he says no wise man can do this. And in fact, if we do this, if we're able to interpret it, it's because God is flowing through our mind and our soul and our body right now. And the only way this could possibly done, be done is by God and the power that he has. Okay, we go on in Daniel 2. I'm gonna keep reading from the screen. Um, in verse 31, we skip over a couple of verses and then he says, uh, Daniel's explaining the dream and he says this, your majesty looked and there before you stood a large statue, awesome in appearance. The head of the statue was made of pure gold. It's chest and arms of silver, it's belly and thighs of bronze, it's legs of iron, it's feet partly of iron and partly baked clay. While you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron, the coat, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were all broken to pieces and became like chaff on a threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace. But the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. Hmm. He goes on here to say, look, King, actually, this is kind of some cool news for you. I want you to know that as, as we look at your dream, the interpretation of this is that you are the golden head. Your kingdom is the golden head, which I mean, if you're going to get a dream interpretation, I got to think that's a pretty good way to start. Oh my goodness. My kingdom is the head of gold. Out of all these things, out of iron, out of bronze, out of silver, out of clay, it starts with me, my kingdom. There's power in that. It's a fantastic kingdom. I am the head of gold. And then these other kingdoms are going to come after you. 
Okay, one is made of silver, one is made of bronze. They kind of get a little less powerful and a little less powerful and a little less powerful till finally we see clay feet. So the kingdoms after you are not going to be as strong as you. But then something's coming after that. That's gonna destroy all of that. It's gonna bring something brand new that we haven't seen. When that happens, everything before it, not only is gonna be destroyed, it's going to be forgotten. It's gonna be blown away without leaving a trace. I know it's kind of a crazy dream. Here's what I want to say. Look, if we can relate ourselves to this text at all, we can look in the Old Testament, this book of Daniel, and see this dream by the king. Go, what does that mean for me in, in 2018? You know, I think about this new year and I think about the number of different places that we find ourselves in. I mean, sometimes don't we feel like our life is going great. Like our kingdom, if we want to call it that. Like our life, like everything is just under control right now. Man, everything is going good for me. I, I don't know why, just it seems to be the year of Mike. Everything's coming up Mike right now. It's a good year. Sometimes we feel like that. I feel like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm a head of gold. At this moment, the kingdom around me, like I can really do what I want. And sometimes we feel like we're on the bottom of this. Sometimes we feel like feet of clay. We feel like we can be broken at any moment. We don't feel that powerful. We don't feel like a lot of stuff is going for us. A lot of times we base our decisions, okay? Even the way that we relate to God off how we are doing in that moment. And so often our prayer to God is for him to do something and to enter into our life. Okay, instead of being a rock, if we call this rock, we don't call the rock. Okay, the rock in this is the kingdom of God. God says the kingdom of God is coming. When it comes, it's going to be different. It's going to be different than all the kingdoms that ever came before it. It's going to be unlike them. It's not just going to fit into their system. Okay, the previous system, whether it was good, whether it was not good, whether the kingdoms were really powerful or unpowerful, God's kingdom is not coming and going to fit into our system, the system that already exists. It's not just going to be another level of this statue. God's kingdom is coming and it is eternal. It is forever. It is happening now, but we're going to experience it fully at some point. And it's not just going to fit into the system that you have that already exists. God's going to create something brand new. A whole new kingdom. I think sometimes I will, I will have you know the confession for me is when I think about my pursuit of God, I'm trying to get him to fit into my system. And my prayer life reflects that more often than I'd like to admit. God, will you help me get this? God, will you do this for me? God, I'm unprepared for the test I have in 10 minutes. Would you please help me to ace this somehow even though I haven't opened my book yet? Now here's the tension, right? There's nothing wrong with praying and asking God. God says, ask, ask me, come to me with requests. But that's not all that God invites us into. He doesn't just invite us into this contract between him and us where, where we ask for something and then he gives that thing. God invites us into a relationship. It's more than just a contractual agreement. God, sometimes our view of God is him in a boardroom of him cutting deals. 
of him, hey, you sign this and I'll sign this. You tell me what you'll do and I'll tell you what you do, okay? Is, is, when we think about spiritual disciplines, okay, and this is sometimes a hard word, when we think about opening the Bible, we think about praying, Sometimes our view of engaging, we think about times of encouragement and, 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 and joining together in a community like this, even a, a sacrament like baptism that we're, we're going to be able to experience tonight, that when we think about doing some of these things, sometimes our view of them is, this is part of my end of the contract. Okay, if I spend a lot of time in prayer, then God will do the things that I want him to do. If I open up my Bible, then God will keep me and my family safe. Nobody will get cancer that I know. I will get the job that I want. Start to recognize any, anything. You think I do this all the time. I cut this relationship short with God because I want to engage in a contractual relationship that's easier. God, I just want you to do these things for me. God invites us to give up our life and enter into a relationship where he is fully in control. It is a really difficult thing to do, especially when we look at our life and we see a gold head going on. It's more than a contract. We have a God that says, one time, one time I gave my signature. One time I gave my signature in blood. I paid the price so that you and I can engage in relationship, so that you don't have to come to me. We don't have to come in spiritual disciplines. We don't have to open the Bible and go, okay, I got to put in my 30 minutes of reading today in order to be a good person or so God will do these things for me. But we get to come to these things with, with no guilt and no shame. We get to open up the Bible in 2018 if we have never owned one, if we've owned like five and they're collecting dust on shelves. We don't have to feel guilty or shame about it. We get the excitement of going him into, into enter into a deeper relationship with him to understand him better not just so that we can be a, a good Christian. I want to invite you into that relationship. That's a cool opportunity that we have. I'd invite you to explore that. Why we offer things like apologetics is if there are things that, if, if mentally I'm going, hey, there are just things about the history of the church or of God that I don't understand. And, and, and in order for me to understand these things, uh, how I was made and, and how God could have possibly created this whole world, earth, uh, come in and be a part of, of this really cool class that we offer. For some of us that might not be hanging, hanging us up. We may just have stuff in our life. There may be pain and suffering in our life that we can't get through. We invite you into a relationship with our staff here and, and, and some of our leaders that um, do a fantastic job that want to enter into a relationship to sit with you in that brokenness. Sometimes God brings other people in our life to sit with us in that brokenness. And for some of us, that relationship is just stagnant. It's felt the same way for a long time. And my invitation to you is, what would it mean for you to trust God? What would it mean for you to put a little bit more of your trust down on him? In what ways are you giving up your own life and your own time in serving in some capacity? That doesn't mean you have to go for two months on our world deputation program somewhere around the world and serve, although it's a pretty cool opportunity. Sometimes that means just going, okay, what am I going to do this week? I'm not going to add in, in this week to go, hey, what, what does it mean for me to not be in control of an hour of my life, but give that up and, and serve in some way? And whether I notice the productivity or not, I'm still giving that time to God. Okay, finally, okay, and, and, and here's the third tension that we wrestle with as, as we close this text out tonight. In Daniel uh, 2, verses 46 and 47, okay, Daniel has interpreted the dream for the king. It says, then King Neb fell prostrate 
before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries for you were able to reveal this mystery. Come back the next few weeks. We're gonna keep walking chapter by chapter through Daniel. Okay, what we're gonna see is the, the, the wrestling that, that this king does. He's all for God. And then and he's, wow, your God must be crazy. He does stuff that no other God can do. I'm all for it, whatever, I'm in. Then we see him kind of backtrack on that. But then we'll see him continue on with that posture of, wow, God's kingdom, this giant rock that's coming to establish himself is what I want. Humbling his own posture and dying to himself. I'll say that in some different ways. It may not look the way we exactly expect it, but this posture of dying to ourselves and finding life in Jesus. Tonight we could do something really cool. We get a we get to baptize some students that have said this is this is their community, and they want to die to themselves and be alive in Christ. There's nothing that we can do that has the same power in our life of what Jesus can do in our life. For the rest of this night, I hope you will celebrate with us in that. And if that's still something that you're wrestling with in your life, or maybe you're here for the first time and you just wanna explore a little bit more of, of what that looks like, my invitation is to keep coming and being a part of a community here. Don't disappear from tension when it doesn't feel the way you want it to feel. It won't always feel the way you want it to feel. Or when it doesn't look the way you want it to look or when, when somebody disappoints you, I will disappoint you. But God can do something in us and he will do something through us when we die to ourselves and give our life to him that we can't do on our own. That's what's happening in Daniel 2. I'm gonna pray for us. I'm gonna invite the music team back up here. We're gonna continue this night. Lord Jesus, God, I thank you for uh, our students um, who are making a, a proclamation of what you're doing on the inside of them tonight. God, I also pray for those of us that are here for the first time that this may feel a little bit weird. God, I admit that it feels a little bit weird to me sometimes. Um, God, that we may not run from that tension. We may engage that in our own life as, as we grow, as we mature, as we are renewed by your spirit. As you do something for us that we can't do for ourselves. We love you, Jesus, and we pray all this in your name. Amen.